The Perks of Being a Book Lover, a show featuring two completely opposite longtime friends. I'm Carrie, the effervescent one, and I bring the <laughs> practical buzzkill vibe to this partnership. And I'm Amy. I tend to be grumpy and morose. <laughs> it's opposite day. No, I'm Amy. I tend to be upbeat and social, and some people say that I can be a little overly enthusiastic. Each week we have book nerd conversations with each other and sometimes a special guest. We not only talk about what we're reading, but also book adjacent topics such as stuff we've had to Google while reading, new titles on our TBR list, film adaptations that we've seen, and bookish news. At the end of our shows, you'll have new books to put on your nightstand and a laugh or two along the way. Well, normally, Carrie, we do this in the morning and we have a cup of tea while we're recording. And this week we're doing it in the evening. We're recording this on Saturday, April 15th, 15th and we have wine. Yeah. So that this is going to be fun. <laughs> so did you all know that it is a National Humor Month? Neither did we. But now we do, and so do you. Which means this week we are talking about books that make us laugh. But first, what's been going on, Carrie? Uh, I cleaned out my car today. <laughs> Your life is so exciting. We went. I had a busy week. Yeah. Like I had a really busy. You did Monday night. I had something Tuesday night. I had something Wednesday night. Wednesday night, my car died, and that was its own special fiasco. And then that made Thursday more complicated. And then Thursday night, I had something. And so it's just, this week so, was a lot. So cleaning out your car was probably very zen. It was. It was, I got to stay at my house. We actually swept out the garage. Mm. So, you know, things feel like clean and orderly and organized, which is not at all how this past week was for me. Uh, for me, when we clean out the garage, it finally feels like spring. Mm -hmm. It's one of those things that you have to do, like after winter, because you don't do anything in winter and all this. It just piles up. Like all the dust and yeah. dirt and in our case leaves. like leaves yes. come blowing yes. in and just all kinds of stuff yeah gets dumped in the garage yeah. well talk uh, about something more interesting than uh, me cleaning out my car what have, what's what have you been doing well you know very rarely does my husband ask me to go see a movie with him and he did ask me to go see a movie with him today and i turned him down i may change my mind but he asked me to go see the Dungeons and Dragons movie with him. Oh, I bet you'd like it. It's got Hugh Grant in it. I think I will like it. And I think I will end up going. He wanted to go today. And did you know it's two hours and like well, 30 I mean, minutes long well. about Dungeons and Dragons? But we had just gone to lunch to celebrate my oldest son's birthday. And it was a big lunch. It was like a, a Brazilian steakhouse, which is one of his favorite things to have that meat carved off those huge skewers with the men with the bloomy pants that's not my <laughs> they wear these pants that look like um pantalones kind of yeah they're like fluffy at the bottom with these tall boots anyway it's not my thing i mean i'm not a vegetarian but right. i don't like big slabs of meat so mm -hmm. i just had the salad bar anyway what i'm saying is it was a heavy meal and the idea of sitting another two and a half hours to watch a movie didn't throw just me. one yeah but I have been watching something with him recently that has made me reevaluate my relationship with sci-fi fantasy. Hmm. 
Tell us more. Tell us more. So there is a show on Amazon Prime limited series called The Peripheral. And it is based on a book by William Gibson, also called The Peripheral, which my husband has read. And he watched a series with me shrinking and now i have to watch a series with him which is the sci-fi fantasy we only have one episode left and i have enjoyed it but what i have discovered is that i was thinking about the fact that not all sci-fi fantasy books are for me like i'm kind of particular about the ones that i like and what i discovered is i don't have that same feeling about sci-fi fantasy movies or shows like apprehension you don't have i don't have the same apprehension okay because I think what it is, is that in a book, especially if it's one where they're like, they're doing world building, or it's very sci-fi, where it's like in space, or there's like a lot of scientific technology stuff going on. So if it's not on this earth, right? then you... Yes. I have trouble imagining in my head hmm. what's going on, because I guess I don't have any... I don't have imagination. a connection. Imagination. <laughs> I, I feel like I have imagination, but I guess I don't have any connection with it, right? Uh-huh. But if, I, if I'm if i watching a show, I enjoy it because they've built that uh-huh. for me. My brain doesn't have to work so hard to try to imagine what that is. And that makes me feel like I need to pay more attention when I read a sci-fi book and, like, think about what I'm imagining as I'm reading. We watched Foundation. Have you heard of that book? Was that the Isaac Asimov? Yes. Yeah. And I read the book and I liked the book. And then we watched the show and it was very different than what I had imagined. I just wonder if you, like, do you overthink it? I guess is what I'm... Probably. Okay. Like I said, we only have one episode left. Mm -hmm. I said to Chris this morning, I'm enjoying the peripheral, but I'm still not sure I understand, you know, this this particular concept Mm -hmm. that a lot of it is based on. Mm -hmm. Explain it to me again. And so then he did explain it, and then it made more sense to me. I mean, I was able to watch the show, and I mean, I had this question in my mind, like, I don't quite get... I mean, I'm able to go along with it and enjoy it, but I don't quite get this thing. Gotcha. I'm sure that in the book, maybe is fleshed out more, explained Uh better. But yeah, even still, I need some more I think that's kind of normal, though. Like, I think... I mean, I sort of like that mind-bendy, like, I feel like I don't get this, but I'm really intrigued. Like, mm-hmm. I'm okay just to, I don't know. I just wonder if you kind of psych yourself out. I probably do. And, and you know, I don't, I have trouble sometimes with books when I don't understand what's is going your, on. Is, you, is this your control issue? Maybe. <laughs> I, I do t- tend to be a micromanager sometimes on things, but I don't like things that I don't understand. understand. Yeah. What's going on? Unless there's sometimes if there's so much stuff I don't understand, then I can just go with it. Yeah. Like, well, and I'm going to talk about that a little bit more today about the book that I just read. Okay. But it makes me think of The Martian. Like in Uh, The Martian, not so much in the movie, because again, it's kind of built in for you. Right. But in the book, I mean, he's talking about all kinds of very scientific Mm -hmm. botany stuff. Mm -hmm. And it mean, it kind of went, shoo. Yeah. But you didn't really need to understand it. Gotcha. To understand the story. I Do you think know so. what I mean? Yeah. That's my epiphany. Okay. That's my epiphany for the week. All right. Mm-hmm. Oh, we have some bookish news. You stay on top of bookish news more than I do. I never know what's going on. I think. What, I don't what know have you read about is. lately? I, mean, I think it might be because I'm on Instagram more than you. Because mm-hmm. I'm the person who does all this to the social media right. presence for us. Right. Which means that I have to be on there more than you do. 
And, and, so, and all I do, honestly, is like watch cat videos on Instagram so and share them with my daughter. Yeah. That's really yeah. the extent of my time. <laughs> I, but I saw another bookstagrammer mention this situation. She was a little cryptic about it. So I had to, of course, go Google what she was talking about. But basically, there's a little bit of a controversy with scholastic books mm-hmm. because there is an author, uh, a, an Asian Pacific you know, American author named Maggie Takuda Hall, who has published a book called Love in the Library. And it is based on her grandparents' love story set in World War II incarceration camp for Japanese Americans. And she got this notice in her email from her agent saying that Scholastic uh, wanted to include her book Uh, with a new series of books, they wanted to include it with their Rising Voices collection. Mm. And uh, those are authors from Asian American, Native, Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander communities. So they they wanted to include it in that, which if you're a children's book author is like a huge deal, right? The problem was that the offer, they said it was contingent on nixing a word choice in her afterword uh, basically saying that she needed to remove the word racism from her afterward, which was referring basically to the internment camps of Japanese Americans in World War II. And she refused to do that and said it was a um, a demand for censorship and that it was catering to this right-wing need to whitewash American history, and she declined to do it. Since then, Scholastic has come back and said they shouldn't have done that. They should have had a conversation, you know, with some of their consultants who are Asian Pacific authors and that it would never happen again. But they said the reason they did that was they were afraid if that was in there, then teachers have been, their hands have been tied in what they can teach and that it might not pass, you know, in places like Florida. Mm -hmm. So... My opinion is, even though I think Scholastic was wrong, the reason they were doing it is because of the stupid legislature Mm -hmm. in Florida. Mm -hmm. They want to make money, and they want to make as much money as they possibly can. You know, the thing is, looking at, you know, the the wording, it it had said something about the deeply American tradition of racism. And, Mm -hmm. like, if you're white, well, then, yeah, you might disagree with that, because... You know, America hasn't been deeply racist towards you. Well, <laughs> but, she's like, but how if can you, if you're coming from the point of view that interring, yeah, your citizens, your ja- who are all Japanese, Japanese that yeah. that's not racism, racism, then like you're not right. on the same. Why do you even want to talk about that? I think everybody kind of looks on that historically as, man, that was a really, that was a decision based completely out of fear and it was wrong. You know, you had you had Japanese American service people fighting in the war. Anyway, yeah, I think it was a brave thing for this author to do, mm-hmm. and I know that you because that was a big opportunity. It was for a her. big opportunity. I think they are now in talks again, mm-hmm. so it may end up that she still goes with Scholastic. Mm-hmm. But and I think it was great for her to bring it to a attention mm-hmm. of the public. So. Anyway, that's one bookish news. And then I'm going to mention two film adaptations, not that I've seen, but that I know are coming out. The first is a book that we read in book club last year, The Last Thing He Told Me 
by Laura Dave has got been Jennifer Garner. Yeah, it. has been made into a limited series that's on Apple Plus starring Jennifer Garner. I think it just came out. And then I sent you a link not too long ago that one of your favorite books, Hamnet, mm, is yeah. being made into a movie. Yep. And the person who's supposed to direct it is Chloe Zhao, who is the person who directed Nomadland, who has one of your favorite actresses, Mm -hmm. Frances McDormand. So see, it comes full circle. Full circle. Full circle. Yep. So I don't know when that's really supposed to come out, but Hamnet is the story of Agnes, who was William Shakespeare's wife. Even though that's not not her her name. name. I wonder why they used a different name. Who knows? I don't know. Okay. Anyway, that's my bookish news. Cool. Hey, Carrie. Yeah. What are you? Been- hey, what? You remember that cheer? Hey, what? Let me see you get down. No way. Let me- you remember <laughs> that cheer? Every time somebody says, hey, Carrie, that's immediately what my brain goes <laughs> Were to. Were you a cheerleader? For a very short period of time, if you can believe that. That was really hard to believe. Yeah. Really hard to believe. Was, I had a perm. It was awful. <laughs> It's bad. That goes along together. <laughs> perm, being a cheerleader in the 1980s. God. Oh, God. Oh, Lord. Yeah. What what you been reading? I just finished this week uh, an audiobook called Nothing But Blackened Teeth by Cassandra Call. And I had seen this and the cover, you know, we're not it, talking yeah. about covers anymore, but the cover of it is freaky. It is freaky. But that would be under my weird category. And so I was intrigued. Also, it was only three hours long. So that is also something that's right up my alley. The story is narrated by Kat, the character Kat. And you get the sense that even though she calls the three other main characters of this story her friends, she really doesn't like them. And they don't like her. They don't like each other. I mean, it's very it's very obvious. And so why then are they spending time with each other? So as an almost 50-year-old person who has gotten to that point in her life where... If I don't like you, I mean, I'll be civil to you, but I'm not I'm not going out of my way to spend time with you anyway. But they are in their early 20s. And sometimes, you know, people who are in their early, you're figuring things out in your 20s. And so sometimes you may hang on to relationships from high school or college that would really be better off left in the rearview mirror. So that's kind of the situation. You get that sense from the book. So there's four friends and two of these friends are getting married to each other, Faez and Nadia. And Nadia wants her wedding in an old, abandoned, creepy as heck Japanese mansion. And apparently one of the friends can marry them. Okay. So the one friend is going to marry the two friends, and then the other friend is like the witness. Apparently the mansion is haunted by a Japanese bride who has waited for her husband-to-be who died on the way to the wedding. She is an Ohaguro Batari, a demon who wears a wedding dress and has blackened teeth. So the question is, will the four friends survive the night? Okay. And it was definitely creepy. I had a little bit of trouble listening to the audiobook because she used a lot of Japanese words mm. for things and you know, and I was listening to it and I couldn't like Google while yeah. I was driving and I didn't really know how to spell it. I almost think it would have been better if I had been reading it, but I didn't know that was, I didn't know anything about this story. And, you know, there was a part of me that like, really, this whole enemies as friends thing kind of got annoying. But at the same time, I think it added some tension 
Like, mm-hmm. so it was already, you know, they're in this creepy mansion and then they find out this story about the bride. So it, that tension between hating the people you're with, it sort of makes you go, okay, what's going to happen? It sort mm-hmm. of builds that tension, mm-hmm. which I felt was, I thought was interesting. Did you happen to Google? Is it like I a did folk, Google. folk yes. horror? I mean, yes. is this a true yes. thing? Yes. So, well, first of all, ohaguro means teeth blackening. Okay. And so that was a Japanese custom where they would take iron fillings and vinegar and mix them together. And women, typically women in wealthy upper classes would put that on their teeth and it would blacken them. And so what through, you know, Googling stuff, what I read was that number one, at the time that they were doing this, everybody kind of had this fascination with the color black. They love the color black. So by blackening their teeth, it was like a mark of beauty. But also, it's possible that this protected the teeth, Hmm. too. So that's the meaning of ohaguro. Before the age of fluoride. Before fluoride, right? They use the word yokai, and that's the Japanese word for demons. And so... You know, they kept talking about the Ohaguro Batari, and that is, it's kind of a folk tale about a yokai, a demon, who's this beautiful young woman. She has blackened teeth, but she has no eyes, no nose, just blackened teeth. I know that the the cover is really creepy. Yeah. I, you know, I did like it. Again, listening to it through audio, as an audio book, I felt like at first, I was a little bit confused, like, what are they talking about? But it wasn't enough that it made the story, like, incomprehensible for me. It's just after I finished, I went and looked up some of these terms so that I had a better understanding of what had happened. So you would recommend yeah. reading it instead yeah. of listening yeah, to it, I probably. Think so. If you don't have a background in Japanese. Japanese. Yeah. 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 Well, what have you been up to I... in your reading life? Uh, well, something similar in that there were a lot of words for me. To, to look up uh, or concepts. I read a book called The Alaskan Laundry by Brendan Jones. And this is a backlist title from 2016. I'm not really sure where I picked this up. I think, okay, I don't know that I've ever admitted this on air before, but I have a weakness for ebook deals. Really? I know you know that. Oh, but okay. Okay. Now, if you could see my house, I have stacks of real books everywhere. Yeah. So, th- I'm still buying plenty of books from independent booksellers, yeah. used bookstores. It is that is not a problem. Right. But I also I go on to BookBub, which is a website, and I see, you know, what books are, are deals. And I think that this was just a book that was a deal, and when I was intrigued, and when I read the blurb, I'm like, oh, dollar ninety nine, yes, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So. You know, one night in the middle of the night when my husband was snoring, I decided to start it. And it is a coming-of-age story of a young woman named Tara. She is from an Italian-American family in Philadelphia, and Tara's mother dies in a tragic accident. She has a falling out with her father. He pretty much kicks her out of the house. And she's going through a rough patch with her high school boyfriend. She's not in high school anymore. They've graduated, but... They're going through a rough patch in their relationship. So what does she do? She heads to Alaska to a commercial. As everyone does. As everyone does. She heads to an Alaskan commercial fishing communities to sort of, in quote, deal with her feelings. And in fact, the title of the book comes from this. So one of the characters in the book says, 
that he thinks that the state is on a continuous wash cycle, the Alaskan laundry, everyone coming north to get clean of their past. Mm, interesting. So she finds out about this place because her uncle had worked one of these fishing facilities one summer. And so he gets her a gig there. And so she is a woman in a place without very many women. And she has to prove herself every day. And I want to read a quote to you about the women in this community. Tending bars, slinging coffee, or gaffing fish, women in Alaska carried themselves differently from women down south, as if each one of them had passed through a ring of fire before coming out the other side, flame-tested and hardened. The slag of the past burned off, cooling in the salt air, charting their own course. So she's in Alaska. She starts out just like working in a fish processing company and she works her way up to working on one of these big rigs that goes up in the Bering Sea, like between part of Alaska and and Russia. And so she meets all kinds of eccentric characters in this small Alaskan community. She falls in love with a dilapidated World War II era tugboat that she wants to buy there on the dock. And she I bought- thought you were going to say a veteran. <laughs> no, this tugboat, because her grandmother lived in a fishing village in Sicily. Mm. So there's a part of her that sort of feels like it's sort of her destiny to be on the sea and to, to own a boat. She sees this tugboat close to the beginning of the of the book, and part of her goal is to earn enough money to purchase this tugboat to live on. But she also falls in love with a dog who saves her from dangers that are in the woods surrounding the village. Tara is a fighter. She's combative. She doesn't take crap from anybody, but you're rooting for her in every single way. So there is a caveat to this book. There is a lot of fishing terminology (laughs) in this book. It reminded me of The Martian with Mm. Andy Weir. Andy Weir goes on and on for paragraphs about how to grow potatoes in space until my eyes glazed over a little bit and it just went above my head. But once I decided I didn't need to understand How to grow potatoes in space to just go along with the story. I Or just skim. Just skim. <laughs> I love The Martian. Same thing with this. Mm. I had to sort of skip over a lot of the parts about the processing of the fish and the, you know, the big rigs and the different knots. And the story itself is very good, but there is a lot of talking about commercial fishing. The author has worked in commercial fishing. Mm. When he writes about that, you feel that it is very authentic and it gives you a real taste for that life. And so I think that there is a reason why that is in the book, but I didn't understand a lot of it, Mm -hmm. (laughs) to be to be perfectly honest. Yeah. And that was okay. Yeah. But if you were looking for a book that's set in Alaska, I think this gives you a very real look at what life in a fishing town would be like very different than anything most of us experience. So I would give the book a try. Cool. I enjoyed it. Um, the name of the book is The Alaskan Laundry by Brendan Jones. Awesome. Uh, okay. Enough about fishing. Enough about black teeth and ghosts. <laughs> and we, Alaskan laundries and or Alaskan, Alaskan fisheries. And Alaskan laundries. We are going to take a short break and we'll be back in a minute and we're going to talk about LOL, laugh out loud. <laughs> We are back talking about, what is it, National Humor Month, mm. which there's always a day of today's the, you know, national... I wonder what 
the this, process is to get something. I don't know. Like, Chocolate cake day or whatever. Yeah. I mean, it's just, yeah, you look them up and there's all sorts of days for everything. In fact, I always feel guilty when it's like National Sunday, National Daughter Day. Dash, yeah, I don't you know. know. And I never They're all made up things. Post stuff on Facebook or Instagram yeah. or whatever. And I'm no. like, I feel like a bad mom. But no. these are just these are just made up things. But yeah. like, is there like a government agency that deals with like National Library I no Day? National. I mean, okay. Well, I have. I don't know. But it's right. National Humor Month, according to somebody. Mm-hmm. And if for no other reason, it's beneficial for us to have something to talk about this week. That's right. So. <laughs> All right, so we we categorize these things. You know, when we were doing the covers and you were getting very ah uptight about what covers, and we categorized them. And so I think that that works for us, categorizing the books that we're going to talk about. So the categories that we came up with, which we had a little bit of debate about, hmm. kids, so kids' books, mm-hmm. because a lot of times kids' books are really funny. They are really funny. They're really funny. And then comedian books, because it seems like every comedian writes a book. Mm. And so then we were like, okay, if it's written by a comedian, we can talk about that. All right. Then there's like, you know, families are wonderful sources of humor. Especially dysfunctional families. Especially dysfunctional families. Okay. So family is another category. And then another category is snark, which that could encompass a lot of stuff. It can. But there are some writers that sort of specialize in in snark. snark. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then our last category is nonfiction slash memoir. Okay. So what what is your children's book? So I feel like this book, this is going to be the last time that I mention (laughs) these books for a while. Oh, I I doubt it. Beating a dead horse. Yeah. But it's The One and Only Bob. By Catherine Applegate. And I don't know if you remember this interaction, Carrie, but I started listening to it as an audiobook mm-hmm. on my birthday a couple of years ago. And I remember walking my dogs while I was listening to it. And I literally was laughing out loud while I'm walking my dogs. And people on the other side of the street are looking at me <laughs> like I am a little bit off yeah. my rocker. Mm-hmm. This is a sequel to a book called The One and Only Ivan. The one and only I've one was it about an ape that was at sort of a sideshow attraction off the highway in Florida. And it was kind of a dismal place to live mm-hmm. if you're a gorilla. And there was also an elderly elephant there and a new baby elephant came and they devised this plan to sort of escape. And in that story, there is a little stray dog named Bob. Well, Bob got his own book. In this book, Bob sets out to find his sister after a hurricane happens in Florida. And Bob is helped by Ivan and the young elephant named Ruby. And the thing is that Bob is just, to me, a really funny character. He's super spunky. And if you've ever had dogs or if you have known a lot of dogs in your life, I don't know if you do this. But I'm always imagining what they're thinking, what what they're thinking. And like, what would their voice sound like Uh if they had a human voice, Uh right? And I think everybody who has ever had dogs or loves dogs has known a dog that would be like Bob. Uh Well, and I think that, I mean, honestly, we do this with our cats. I don't yeah. think it has to be a dog. It doesn't but have to be a dog. Case, yes, absolutely. Dog. Any, yeah. Okay, any animal. Yeah. It doesn't just have to be a dog. Right. With Bob's story, we get to know him better. He's just such a character. 
And in the audiobook, Danny DeVito narrates. There you Bob. go. That's all you need. And it is perfection. <laughs> it is it is perfection. So this is funny, but I mean it's also touching as with all Catherine Applegate books. You know, it's not just like funny the whole way through, but that is just a book that I adore. So And we never know it because you never bring it up. I never talk about these books at all. <laughs> at all. What's your kid's book? All right. So mine is The Best Christmas Pageant Ever by Barbara Robinson. So if you've never read this book or seen the play perform live, you really need to make a point to do so. It's the story of six siblings who join the town's performance of the Christmas story, like in the manger and all that. The Herdmans, these six siblings, the Herdmans, are more or less awful children. They're just awful. (laughs) They've set fire to things. They hit people. And their mouths, you know, you never know what's going to come out of their mouths. But you can guarantee it's going to be inappropriate. But somehow the magic of the manger brings out some of the best in them. Although it is a best that remains a little uncouth. Now, they don't curse or anything like that. I mean, it is a children's book. But... You know, if you're thinking about kind of a small town doing this Christmas performance, you know, they're wanting the kids to be solemn, and the Herdmans are not solemn. Imogene Herdman is cast as Mary and says what maybe Mary wanted to say, especially to the wise men who barged in on her postpartum. (laughs) Imogene yells, I've got the baby here. Don't touch him. And Imogene cannot understand why Child Protective Services weren't called when Mary wrapped the baby Jesus in rags and laid him in a feed bin. (laughs) So I have read the book, but I have also seen it perform live. And seeing it as a play is fantastic. I mean, you can find it. Lots of children's theaters do this every year because it is such a beloved Christmas tradition for a lot of people. And so even if you don't have kids... It's it's a funny, funny play. I don't think I realized it was a book. I just yes, thought it's it a was book. a play. Mm-mm. It's a book. I actually saw it live, and it was so funny, and I liked it so much that I went back and read the book hm. because it was so good. You know, I always like to read holidays. There you go. There's a book for You me will for be laughing holidays. as you read it. Yes. Okay. So our next category is comedians because yep. obviously comedians are supposed th- to be funny yeah that's their job yeah, right and right. so what what book do you have for that so the book that i picked is actually i mean it's written by a comedian but it's not what you would expect from a comedian so it's modern romance by aziz ansari and that was written in 2016 so this book is about dating in the modern world you know it was published in 2016 i'm sure that things have only gotten worse but This book could have been just Aziz Ansari just riffing on dating, you know, just like one of his stand-up routines. But he actually worked with an NYU sociologist to study people's online behavior and their dating behavior. And so they did focus groups and interviews. And the book also has various social scientists chime in. So you may be familiar Helen Fisher uh, and Eli Finkel, and they have both written books and studied human relationships for years and years. So they contribute input on this book as well as a lot of other social scientists. So this is a book that if you like humor, but you also like some substance behind it, it's a good combination of those. 
because Aziz is talking about the research and sort of offering his commentary on it. So one of the funny lines in the book is when Aziz is talking about a particular man discussing his dating life. And Aziz writes, like most fedora wearers, he had a lot of inexplicable confidence. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought... Yeah, that's true. You know, I mean, to put on a fedora, you know, you, you got to have some confidence to do that. So, oh, well, yeah. you are one upping me because you were offering really great, funny clothes for each of yours, and I'm not prepared like that. I'm sorry. Uh-oh. I'm sorry. That's all right. Y'all are just going to have to take my word yep, for it. That trust it's funny. Amy. Okay, yours had some substance. The one I'm going to talk about has absolutely no substance except for that it's going to make you laugh. And that is Yearbook by Seth Rogen. Now, I'm not a Seth Rogen fan, necessarily. Seth Rogen, you may know him. He's a writer, an actor, um, movie producer um, for movies such as Superbad, Knocked Up, and the infamous The Interview that almost caused an international incident (laughs) with North Korea. So, okay. So one of our friends told me about this book and she said, somebody has got to read this. It is so funny. And so I said, of course, I'm like, I I'll will, read I'll read it. And so my husband and I were on a road trip and we listened to this audiobook, and we were laughing so hard that we were crying. <laughs> so it follows his early years growing up in a Jewish family and starting in stand-up when he was a teenager in Vancouver And then it kind of follows along to present day through the rest of his life and goes through, you know, some of the movies that he did, his personal life, um, relationships that he's been in. And this memoir is not for my mother. There was a lot of talk of drug use and sex. And so be aware of that. If those are things that are triggers for you. They make you squeamish. They stay make away you from squeamish. Stay away from this book. I wouldn't listen to it with your kids around or your parents for that matter. <laughs> but some of his stories. Are unless you have really cool and, parents. Unless you have really cool parents. But some of his stories are so stinking hilarious. There's one story about an interaction that he had with Snoop Dogg. I don't want to <laughs> go into imagine. it, beca- but I every time that I think about this chapter in the book, it makes me laugh all over again. So you just need to go and read it. But there is a lot. <laughs> He's a big proponent of weed. Yeah. Right. And so um, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of. A weed, lot of weed. A lot of weed. A lot of mushrooms, psychedelics, (laughs) all of it. But it is funny. And my friend who recommended it read it, the book form, but I highly recommend the audio book. I guess because sometimes, well, I do like some substance in the books that I read with my eyeballs. Mm -hmm, But if I'm mm -hmm. listening to something, it doesn't have to have any substance. Yeah, it can just be fun and entertaining. Yeah, yeah. I do want to mention a a close second of a book I read recently, A Very Punchable Face by Colin Jost. And he's, well, he's on Saturday Night Live, and he's been a writer there and doing Weekend Update for, I don't know, like 15 years or something. He's like one of the longest running people they've ever had on there. But his, his memoir was pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah. I've got that on my TBR. Actually, I found it in our neighborhood little library. Oh! "Oh," But I haven't had a chance to read it yet. Okay. So. Okay. One Um, day. Okay. Family story. So 
I, did we read this for book club? This is where I leave you by Eight Jonathan Tropper. Years ago. Okay. Mm-hmm. So this is where I leave you by Jonathan Tropper. It is the story of the Foxman family and they're sitting Shiva for the patriarch of the family. Judd is the narrator of the story and his life has completely fallen apart. He and his wife lost a child uh, when she was late in her pregnancy and then she cheats on him. So destroying an already fragile marriage. His sister has her own dysfunctional marriage and may be having an affair with a childhood friend. His older brother is a bore and his younger brother is a ne'er-do-well. The first page of the novel gives you a clue as to what you might be dealing with from the Foxman family. When Judd's sister calls to say their dad has died and Judd asks after his mom, his sister says she's okay. She wanted to know how much to tip the coroner. (laughs) (laughs) So there is a film version of this novel that stars Jason Bateman, Adam Driver, and Tina Fey, and it is very, very good. I actually, well, I guess I read the book and then watched the movie, and I liked both of them. I think we saw the movie at my house. Maybe. If it happened before 2020, I I have no recollection. Because I think some people um, from book club got together... And I think we watched it because we read the book. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm actually going to talk about one we read in book club, too. Cool. Which is The Gunkle mm. by Stephen Rowley. We read it earlier mm-hmm. this year. I adored this book. Uh, the main character is Patrick, who is a gay Hollywood has-been actor whose famous series ended several years before. And he has sort of become this hermit in Palm Springs, California. And when his brother's wife dies of cancer and his brother himself needs to go to rehab for an addiction problem, Patrick is asked to take his niece and nephew for the summer. So the children call him Gay Uncle Patrick or Gup or the Gunkle, which stands for Gay Uncle. And so this is a little bit madcap. Because as he's a gay bachelor taking care of kids for the first time ever, so you can imagine. But it's also touching as Patrick helps the children deal with grief, just as he himself is still dealing with his own grief from his partner's death in a car accident. This is hysterically funny in parts, but it's also touching and deals with some serious issues of grief and identity. Mm -hmm. Bye. And I've read it. I concur. It's a good book. Yep. Why do you like boys, Grant asked, sourly, but with a slightly more boredom than judgment. I don't know. Why do you like pizza? Because it tastes good in my mouth. Patrick wasn't about to go anywhere near that. Can I say that on the air? I don't know. I don't know. Okay. Oh, that was pretty funny. I remember that one. <laughs> okay. Now, what do we have? We have snark. Snark. The snark category. Which should... Be your favorite category. I do like some you snark. are snarky. I do like some snark. So this was a couple years ago. I went on this kick. And in when we talked about covers of books, I mentioned Roz Chast, who's an illustrator for, and she's done things for the New York Times. So I went on a Roz Chast kick a couple years ago. And one of the books I found, she illustrated this book, but she didn't write it. The book is called, Why Don't You Write My Eulogy Now So I Can Correct It? A Mother's Suggestions. <laughs> The author is Patricia Marks, but Roz Chast did illustrate the book. So this is a book of one-liners that mothers, in particular, Patricia Marks's mother, would say to her. You know how, like, you know, your parents said things to you when you were a kid, and then you become an adult, and when something happens, like, the first voice you hear in your head is that voice of your parent, right? And so Patricia can't get the voice of her mother out of her internal storage. So she decided to make them into a book. 
Patricia says her mother believes in absolute rules, and these have stuck with her, even though they're ridiculous. This book, it's it's very short. It's very quick to get through. It's got great illustrations. But, you know, if you have a mom, <laughs> you can totally relate to, like, sort of, like, snarky comments your mom has made to you in your childhood or, you know, as you're an adult. So if you want a quick read, I would recommend you check that out. <laughs> okay, well, mine is The King of Snark. I couldn't have a list of humorous books without putting a David Sedaris book in there. I have read almost all of his books. I think that the one that is my favorite is called Calypso. Uh, It's really hard to pick just one, but that is one that I gave five stars to when I read it. And his books are collections of essays, but usually they each have a sort of an overarching theme. And Calypso is about he and his partner buying a beach house on the North Carolina coast so that his full extended family will have somewhere to congregate. And his family is always a main focus. Even when they're not the focus, they're still kind of the focus of his books because he has a very fraught relationship with his father. He has interesting relationships with his siblings. But Sedaris's humor is dark and he's snarky and he almost always makes me laugh out loud when I read his book. I recommend listening to his books if you can because he usually narrates them. He has a very unique voice and his delivery of his own material is absolutely spot on. So a quote, let's see, a quote from this Increasingly at Southern airports, instead of goodbye or thank you, cashiers are apt to say, have a blessed day. This can make you feel like you've been sprayed against your will with God cologne. Get it off me. I always want to scream quick before I start wearing ties with short sleeve shirts. (laughs) All right. I'm cracking myself up here just reading these samples. Okay. We've gotten to the last one. Yep. And I think you're going to talk about one of my favorites. But since you were going to talk about it, I didn't think we both needed to talk about it. Okay, so the book that I picked is one. It's A Walk in the Woods by Bill Bryson. So I actually, this was before 2020. I think it was 2018. I did a long-term sub job for someone. And she was having her students read this book. You know, like I had heard about it. I'd seen it. But I never really had an interest to read it. So When I was doing that, I read the book. And it is a memoir about Bill Bryson hiking part of the Appalachian Trail. And it's also about the U.S. National Park System in general. So it's very informative and gives you an appreciation of the system. But it's also hilarious. My husband absolutely hated it when I was reading this book. Because at night, when I was reading it in bed, I would laugh out loud, loudly, every night. Every single night. So... The funniest part, the absolute funniest part, it's page 19. But I have to <laughs> I have to share it because I went and looked it up today and started laughing just as hard as as I did when when I read it. Okay, so <laughs> Bill Bryson is worried about a bear like coming into where he's sleeping, his tent area and attacking him. And so he realizes that Oh my gosh, maybe not just one bear would attack, but four bears could come in and like try to get my food and try to get into my tent. And so he describes what he would do in this situation. And I quote, 
I would blow my sphincter out my backside like one of those unrolling paper streamers you get at children's <laughs> birthday parties. I dare say it would even give a merry toot and bleed to a messy death. Oh, God. <laughs> and every time I read that, I can just imagine him in his tent. That book just cracks me up. It does me, too. I, I'm i a huge Bill Bryson fan. He's got a very understated... Now, that one wasn't particularly understated, <laughs> but he has sort of this understated humor that is in most of his books. He writes mainly nonfiction mm-hmm. about either his travels or about things like Shakespeare mm-hmm. or... The human body. Yeah. Yeah. But he just has this very interesting sense of humor that I enjoy. Now, not everybody enjoys it. Some people think he's mean. Yeah. Yeah. So... I think the same thing about David Sedaris. Mm-hmm. I think some people think that about yeah. him. People as well. used to say that about Seinfeld. I always loved the show Seinfeld, but some people yeah. thought it was mean. So I so. guess this is, you know, the thing is, everybody thinks different, different things, things are, are funny. funny. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, what did you pick? My last one is actually somebody that we interviewed on our podcast, but I loved her book. It's called Bad Tourist Misadventures in Love and Travel by Suzanne Roberts. She is a travel writer. And she wrote this book about travels that she took between the ages of 20 and in her 40s. And basically, it's a book about sort of how she's matured over time. But it is one of those books that's both hilarious, but also poignant. I mean, it's not, you know, a laugh a minute the whole time, like the Seth Rogen book. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a lot of deep topics um, about her and... Um, her relationship with men and her relationship with her mother, all while she's traveling to these far-flung places around the world. Um, But there are some parts that are just so, so funny. But this book won the Independent Publishers Book Award. It won um, the National Indie Excellence Award. It won an award for travel book or guide. Anyway, it has gotten... Kudos. It's funny. Read it. He was named, I think, National Geographic's Next Best travel writer or or something to that effect so she's a really good travel writer but she's also (laughs) awfully funny so again that was bad tourist misadventures and love and travel by suzanne roberts well that's it all right let's take a break okay We're back, Carrie, and we are going to talk a little bit about stuff that we've Googled. We haven't done that segment in a while. I know. And apparently we have Googled a lot. Well, I mentioned I was Googling a lot when I read Nothing But Blackened Teeth. Yeah. Because of the Ohaguro Batari and all right. that. So, well, I'm curious. So, like, when you're Googling things, when you're reading, are there certain things that you always tend to Google? Like, are you Googling words you don't know? Yeah. Or is it more like... It's usually... Um, I historical mean, things. It's usually historical things, okay. or cultural things. Okay. Uh, that maybe I just don't understand. Okay. I mean, I will look up a word, but mm-hmm. most of the time, that to me is I, I know it now. Move okay. on. Like, gotcha. Yeah. You or, don't go down a rabbit hole. Not generally. What about you? What What are you googling? Well, I mean, it sort of depends. Sometimes I'm not only googling something, but I'm having to Google Translate something. So, you know, are you doing that kind of stuff, too? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm having to pick up my phone and, yeah, Mm -hmm. because there's a limit on what e-readers will Yeah. Yeah. 
Okay. I was just curious. Okay, so tell me what you Googled. All right. So I had read, you remember I talked about this book a while ago, Dirtbag, Massachusetts? Yeah. You remember that one? So (laughs) I would not have had to Google anything in this book, but he mentions getting a haircut that made him look like a Pokemon character. And I had to Google it because I was like, I have to see what this haircut would have looked like. So it's Pidgeo, the Pokemon character. I want you to Google it right now. Okay. Pidgeot. We are P- Googling why we're talking <laughs> about P-I-D-G-E-O-T. Pidgeot. And as soon as you see this, you'll be like, I know what his hair looked like. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Had to Google that. Kind of like a pompadour. Yeah. Almost. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, you know, really short on the side. So mm-hmm. anyway, I had to Google that because I had to see what this haircut looked like. And then another book that I read not too long ago, She is a Haunting by Trang Tan Tran. I was having to Google Translate so much stuff from that book because a lot of it was in Vietnamese. Mm. And so this one phrase, doi mat bao cao, and it would have that. And I was like, I don't know what it's talking about. So that was dove eyes. So I was having to use Google Translate. So didn't you wonder, like, because in some books, when they have a phrase that's in another language, then underneath of it, it'll have footnotes or something. It'll have footnotes or it'll say it what that means in English. Yeah. What is your thought on that? Well, here's the thing. Sometimes like on e-readers, it doesn't look like a normal page. So Mm -hmm. if I was reading a book and it might have like footnotes at the bottom, like in that particular book, it wasn't entirely clear. You know, sometimes some books. You get context clues about what it means. Well, or what they'll do is they'll say it in the language and then immediately say what it means in English. Right. And so with those, it's like, oh, okay, well, I know what it means. It's very clear. Well, in that particular book, it was not done in that way. So I felt like I was was using Mm -hmm. Google Translate a lot, which, I mean, it didn't affect my understanding of the story. I mean, like Dove Eyes, that that wasn't like critical to the story. But there's something about if I see words in another language, I have to look them up. That's something I can't let go because I'm worried that... It is going to be critical to the story. I agree. I do like looking those things up yeah. because I feel like it, it can make a difference. Yeah. Well, what about you? Well, I Googled a lot of stuff about the Alaskan Laundry book, but two of the things that were interesting to me were she befriends this Native American man who lives there. His tribe is from that area, and he shows her how to cook some things with some of the native species around. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that he talks about is something called a gumboot, which they didn't explain what it was. Mm-hmm. And so I had to look it up. And it took a lot of searching to find it because when I Googled gumboot, it showed me these cute little rain boots that people wear, mm-hmm. I think in Australia, called gumboots. Mm-hmm. But it's actually this mollusk hmm. that's kind of big and weird looking. But anyway, that was one thing. And then the other thing is... In the book, I'm expecting she's in Alaska. She's in this fishing village. I'm expecting when it gets to be wintertime that she is going to be freezing, Mm -hmm. right? And she keeps talking about sleeping outside in her sleeping bag at night. And I'm like, isn't it cold? So I Googled how cold is it on the coast of Alaska? And apparently, because it's on the water, it makes it much warmer. Hmm. So it maybe gets into the high 30s. That's the low. It's not negatives right hmm. and so that made much more sense to me mm. because I was, my impression was that all of alaska is like 
an ice field. You right, know what I mean? Right, and so right. that's just my own ignorance about it. So that was that was interesting. Yeah. I do feel like sometimes, though, like when I Google things, I could, and sometimes I do, I end up going down a rabbit hole. Because, like, I find that a lot of times with historical figures, I'll mm-hmm. look up one person, and then that gets me, inter- reading about that person gets me interested in somebody else who maybe wasn't even mentioned in the book. But then, okay, I, and then I read something about that person, and... I haven't been, I haven't done that lately. Mostly it was just like Google Translate or looking up folklore and Japanese history and stuff like that. So that's Very it. Good. That's what I've had going on. Okay. Let's end it with what have you added to your TBR? Hmm. Well, <laughs> I'm looking at what I've added and I'm like, what got into me? Oh, I know why I added this. Okay. So the book I added is called Sacred Geometry. Philosophy and Practice by Robert Lawler. I saw this on your Goodreads, and I'm like, <laughs> oh my gosh. If she talks about this one on the show, I am going to fall asleep. Geometry? <laughs> okay. Come on now. All right. Well, listen. This this <clears throat> book that I'm reading now is about labyrinths. Uh-huh. I'm reading a book right now about labyrinths. And it is super fascinating. Like the history of labyrinths and kind of... What they help the mind do is really fascinating. And so this book was actually mentioned by the author of the book I'm reading as being really interesting and really helpful Okay, to her. And so, you know, I was like, since I'm so interested in labyrinths, then maybe this would be a book that would be interesting to me. So because, you know, the geometric patterns of a labyrinth I'll talk about the labyrinth book later. But okay, that's I why do I want to hear about it. the labyrinth yeah. book. Geometry, I'm not sure about. You I, might have I'm going to read that it one to just to bore you. All right. Um, and then I've, I've got the book. Again, sometimes I put books on the list and I'm like, why did I put this on the list? Oh, 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 oh. This book is called Bones and All by Camille DeAngelis. And I couldn't remember why I put this on my list, but I remember it. I think this book has something to do with cannibalism. Now that I think about it's not, it. It's not the one that that movie with Timothy Chalamet is Yes, in. that's it. Oh, is it? It oh, is. Oh, okay. So that's, that's what the book it is. that the movie's that's, based on. As soon as you said that, yes. Yes, that's the what the movie is based on. Okay. And so I was like, Timothy Chalamet, cannibalism. How can you go wrong with that? That's like that's like a sweet spot for me. Oh <laughs> and then the last book that I put on my list, I'm taking a graduate class right now on poverty in schools. And so one of the books that sounded interesting to me is called What Happened to You? Conversations on Trauma, Resilience, and Healing by Bruce D. Perry. And Oprah Winfrey, apparently. So oh, okay. anyway, so I thought that one might be interesting for professional purposes. Very good. What about you? I just added one today called Hestia Strikes a Match by Christine Grillo. And this one sounded interesting to me. It is a supposed to be very funny. We're talking about funny books today. Although the I mean, when you hear the premise, apparently there's a second civil war in the United States. Which, you know, I have to admit, sometimes I think that that's where our country is in in my worst you know, thoughts. I'm thinking, oh my gosh, you know, is that going to happen to us? But it's a funny look about how like your life still has to move on. So she's newly single. She's 40. I think that her parents moved to the Confederacy 
And it's sort of just about her dating and going along with life because life continues right. when there's war. Here's the last line of the blurb. How do you embrace an entire life when the whole world is breaking into bits and madness? Mm. So that sounded interesting to me. Another one is a book that I heard about um, on Fresh Air with Terry Gross the other day called My Father's Brain, Life in the Shadow of Alzheimer's. And it's by Sandeep Juhar. And Juhar is a cardiologist. His father died of Alzheimer's. And this is a book that he wrote sort of trying to understand Alzheimer's because, as you know, even though he is a physician, he didn't really know a lot about dementia. And he just wanted to understand what was going on in his father's brain. Mm -hmm. And this is of particular interest to me because my mother-in-law has dementia. And so we're not near to the end necessarily with her. But, you know, I've kind of seen the progression of how that's gone. And I thought that I wanted to read it. I also thought my husband might like to read it because he's a physician too. He's not sure he wants to read it. Mm. It might just be too too much. Too much. Yeah. Um, but anyway, that's one that I put on. And then let's see. Another one is actually an author that you have read, but he's written a children's book. It's by M.T. Anderson hmm. called Elf Dog and Owlhead. He's written a lot of children's books. Is this like a picture book or is this a chapter uh, book? I think it's a chapter book. Okay. I mean, I thought he had written like YA. Like He does middle grade. And YA. I mean, he's oh, okay. middle, middle grade I think this is a middle grade. I think this is a middle grade. It says it's a magical adventure about a boy and his dog or a dog and, and her boy in a forest of wonders hidden in plain sight. And you're up for any book. With a I'm dog up in for it. any book about a dog. <laughs> um, there's traps and terrors in the woods. He might lose his way forever. Sounds like my kind of. But this that one's. Oh, I think it just came out. Oh, okay. Came out April 11th. So cool. I'm always about a middle grade book. Yeah, about a dog. A dog. Yeah, it's got a dog in it. You can see a pattern there. Yeah, maybe maybe if you read about that dog, you'll stop talking about. The uh, the Bob. Book. I know. I got to find something to replace the one and only Bob. <laughs> All right, Carrie. Um, another fun episode. We'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us. I'm going to go get another glass of wine now. For show notes for any episode, go to our website at www.parksofbeingabooklover.com. We're also on Instagram at Parks of Being a Book Lover Pod and on Facebook at Parks of Being a Book Lover. You know, one of the ways that I hear about podcasts are from other people. So if you like what we're doing with our show, please tell another book nerd because word of mouth is one of the best ways to help people find us. Or leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform like Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Finally, a huge thank you to Forward Radio 106.5 FM, a grassroots community radio station in Louisville, Kentucky. You can find our show there live or in archives at forwardradio.org. 